Welcome to Elevate. I'm so happy you're here with me today, and I cannot wait to share this episode with you. As an evidence-based coach, mentor, and entrepreneur, I'm obsessed with learning and personal development as it's transformed my entire life, as well as those I get to work with. And to be quite frank, it's literally the entire reason this podcast exists, to feel your growth, gain perspective, and acquire knowledge. So buckle up, friends. You're in for a treat. And as always, thank you for supporting me and the show so we can continue to elevate our own lives as well as those you share this with. Now, let's get into it. What is going on, team? Welcome back for another episode of Elevate. And today, I have a very exciting guest that I want you guys to get to know. She's our latest and greatest new kid on the block at uh, Team Level Up. So Haley, thank you so much for coming on. If you guys don't know who Haley is, she's our functional medicine coach. If you have any issues hormonally, you're over 35 and you're like, why am I not losing the weight? Maybe you're premenopausal. Maybe you have some metabolic issues. She's going to be the go-to to get you to where you want to be and do it in an evidence-based way. So we're not just fucking taking money and you're throwing it down the drain, never getting the results, the energy, the clarity, or the fat loss that you want. So with that, Haley, super excited to have you and chat all about you today. And I can't wait for the audience to get to know you. How are you? I'm excited. Yeah. I'm I'm excited for people to get to know me. (laughs) Absolutely. And so today we're going to talk a little bit about Haley's history, um, a little bit about some personal life stuff. And I can't wait for her to share that with you. And of course, as she goes, we did ask for some Q and a from the audience as well. So we're just going to go ahead and dive in. Haley, tell us a little bit about your background. How did you get into athletics? What is your background in your personal life? Where do we want to start the story? Well, so growing up, I was never like ever into anything active. I was very much like not drawn to that kind of stuff. I was overweight. Um, I really didn't get overweight until like my teen, like early teen years. Um, I went through a really hard year and then like I started turning to kind of like food um, and I gained a lot of weight when I was around 13, 14 years old. And just those bad eating habits kind of stuck with me until I was like 19, 20. Um, And then I kind of just got fed up with it. And then I started down the, you know, the rabbit hole of the fad diets and all that fun stuff for a little while for for probably five years. Um, and I was able to lose like 50 pounds on my own. Wow. Uh, and then I yo-yoed for oof, a good year and a half. And I'm like, okay, there's gotta be something out there that's better than this. Like people do this. I just couldn't figure out how to do this by myself. So I actually hired my first coach and, um, she, she taught me, you know, flexible dieting and everything like that and kind of helped me get a better relationship with food. Um, so that's kind of where that started. Um, I, I hired her and she really kind of like changed the game for me. Um, and then I did eventually get into the bodybuilding thing, um, for a little bit there, um, did my first season in like 2019. Um, but that's, that's really it. (laughs) So I want to go back to some of your dieting efforts and kind of where they came from. So let's talk about your relationship with food before all that happened. Yeah. So I don't like, like I said, I had a really hard year when I was like 13, my parents got divorced. Um, my, my great grandma died. I was very close to her. Um, and I had some friends die in a car accident. It was just a lot in a really short period of time, got ripped out of my school. I uh, had to make all these new friends of the following year. And food was like the thing that made me happy. The only thing I could, you know, could do everything else was like, so out of control in my life. Um, and sad. And I was angry. I was angry. Good. The only thing that made me happy was food. And, um, so that started pretty young and that, like I said, that went for years and, um, I still like, I'll say like, I tend to emotionally eat. That's like, I finally within the last year, feel like I've gotten that under control, but yeah, that started, I mean, I've been dealing with that for what, 15 years, something like that. (laughs) 
And that takes a lot of courage to say out loud. So first I want to say thank you, because I know, especially as a coach, sometimes you feel like if you share the things that you struggle with, it like makes you inadequate on some level. And Mm -hmm. I want to, again, tell you that is so not true. Like the more that I continue to open up about my own story, like the more people are like, wow, I didn't know that about you at all. And it allows people to connect with you. And so I just think it's so important. And I'm sure you can relate even better to clients that struggle with kind of stress eating as their outlet when life is heavy and hard and there are seasons in life when it just feels like literally shit is hitting the van and it's never going to end and the sky is falling. And it's like, I don't want to feel this. I don't want to address it. I'm just going to go numb out. And sometimes, especially with food, and I'm just going to assume it's like probably more high palatable food, Mm. high sugar, high fat. Yeah. And that's where, again, you get those dopamine hits. Yep. And so what uh, happens as a consequence, a lot of the time is that dopamine, uh, once you hit a threshold, your dopamine threshold can continue to increase. And so for people that have kind of binge eating disorder, what you will see is like the amount of food that they have to continue to indulge in actually increases in calorie composition. Yeah. Uh, because it takes a higher and higher amount for them to get that like release. Right. And then you deal with some guilt. So I'm curious if whenever you had those moments, especially in your you know adult life, maybe once you started getting into fitness, when you had those hiccups, did you ever deal with some of that guilt and did you go through oh, yeah. some compensation? Oh yeah. <laughs> um, so the first, like once I hired my coach for that first, like up until post prep. So that's when my life kind of, kind of got a little crazy. Um, like up until then I was good. Like I, I didn't binge eat for, for a while there. And, um, I think that's because I was riding this high of, I was, I was in a pretty good place in my life and then, um, prep, I did prep. And then four weeks in like post prep, my dad died and, um, shit hit the fan. (laughs) Um, I, I mean, I binge ate bad for days, weeks. And then once I finally kind of like was able to pull myself from the binge eating. Yeah. I definitely tried to compensate. I went straight into a, a strict mini cut. Um, and then I would binge again. Um, I wasn't binging every day like I was before, but then I would restrict and binge and restrict and binge. And, um, that went on, that went on for a while. That went on for months. And I would, I mean, compensate with cardio, um, and then super low calorie, um, and knowing that that's not what I should do, but I had like so much guilt because I just had lost so much control at that time. Um, and I let every time I had like this sad moment, I just let it take over and I just binged. (laughs) And, um, then the next morning, you know, I'd wake up and be like, what the fuck did I just do? Um, I, I, I know better than that. And I, you know, I think as a coach sometimes too, like you, you have this standard of the way you should look. Um, so I, you know, I just got out of prep and I had the most insane fucking body of my entire life. The first four weeks I crushed my reverse. I looked better than when I stepped on stage, dude, I I executed my reverse perfectly. I was proud. And then my dad died. And then that's the worst thing that's ever happened, you know? So I'm like, fuck it. Nothing else matters. But then like, we know when we're in that state, we're talking four weeks post the craziest diet I've ever done, the hardest dieting I've ever done. My body could not take the influx of food that I was giving it when I started binging. I gained fat incredibly quickly. I think within the first 14, 15 days, I put on 15 pounds that did not go away. And it was all my midsection. Then in your head, I'm like, I'm this coach and I'm this competitor. I'm supposed to look a certain way. So then that, that put the pressure on, like, I need to restrict. I need to restrict. I need to get that body back kind of, kind of thing. (laughs) So there's a lot that we can kind of go off of on here. But first thing I want to say, um, is one thing that you mentioned is just competing in general. And I think that it's really important for someone who is going through a big transformation to understand that competing is kind of like shiny object syndrome and it is not healthy. And I really, really dislike the dialogue around competing being healthy or it can be done healthy. It is a very aggressive extreme. And I think it's really important for people to understand that because there are adaptations that will occur and it is not just physiological. It is also psychological. 
And so understanding the way that you will think about your body, the way that you will think about food, the way that you will look at yourself, the way that you will look at people in general walking around the street that are incredibly healthy as far as a healthy body composition is considered. You will feel as though when you get back to that healthy body composition, which you probably worked your ass off to get if you did go through a big transformation, you're going to feel like it's fat. You're going to feel like it is not healthy. You're going to feel like you need to lose the weight. Now pair that with being a coach in the industry. That is one thing that I struggled with a metric fuck ton. And I've talked about this a lot. I've struggled a lot with body dysmorphia in my six years of being in this. Um, and there is a lot of pressure to look good. And with that, I do see a lot more people that are in bodybuilding continue to prep every single year because they tend to get to a point in their off season where even though they might be healthy metabolically and physiologically, which is what they need to be, they feel inadequate to go to the Arnold or go to a show or to post pictures of themselves, right? Because also on the other side of the coin, you have to remember that people love to comment on how other people look. And it's incredibly difficult to keep yourself level-headed if you value the opinions of people outside of yourself. And a lot of times, especially if you're younger, it's very easy to lose sight of what is the most important thing for me and how am I going to continue to grow and evolve as a person? And you don't necessarily weigh the consequences of the decisions that you, you could that you are making in the potential long-term consequences of dieting to that level of extremity in over a chronic time horizon. Because for example, even if I'm assuming by the time that you had put the weight on and then you're like, oh, I'm going to mini cut, right? That's not a long enough time horizon to actually recover psychologically or metabolically. And so it's really, really important if you are a competitor or if you're someone who's like, oh my God, they look amazing. I want to look like them. I promise you, you don't. And I'm sure Haley can, can say too, it's like, for example, most of my preps again, and this is under people that would qualify themselves as top coaches in the industry and all that mess. Um, no one's actually looking at that. There's no status like status that says this person is actually the best. Right. Um, it's, it's all depending on how you're looking at it. So always gauge best fit for you, but also like I've done three hours of cardio in a day. I don't even do that in a week now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, so it's just like that level of aggressiveness, um, that is required. I mean, I was on meal plans that were under a thousand calories, I've just done some ridiculous shit, man. And yeah. it can leave you empty. I'm grateful that uh, my experience post-show is actually quite polar opposite to yours, um, which is always an interesting dynamic, but I was never like a food focused human and I'm grateful for that. My coping mechanism is actually through movement. And so that's why when someone was like, are you ready to kick it up? And I'm like, sure. Like, you know, three hours of cardio, no fucking way. I'll do double nineties every day. Oh, like, man. you know, my, my coping mechanism through all my shit was just move more, eat less, like work out. And I was so, it was the one thing I could hold on to. It was like, mm -hmm. uh, I can control this thing. I'm just going to fucking annihilate myself into a fucking pulp. Um, and unfortunately, like there's a lot of, consequences that come with that, that I've had to work through. And you've seen my blood work and we've talked mm -hmm. about that and just, yeah. you know, long-term shit. And then, you know, ex expectations of other people. I think that it's most, most important when you're going through a transformation of any type in your life, it's important to know why you're doing it and ensure that it's for you. And I think that if you're someone who's genuinely wanting to transform your life, you have to have a stronger why than I want my boyfriend to like, like to have revenge, break up, whatever. Like, yeah. you know, I want to get hot. I want to get hot for social media likes and validation. And I'm going to be the next influencer like that stuff. And I've worked with, I mean, in my time over a thousand women, I mean, mm. I've been in the industry for such a long time and it's like the ones that do that, they'll always get to the goal. They'll create the following. They'll see the double taps and the likes and then I'll get emails and phone calls of them bawling their eyes out because they're so unfulfilled because they don't know who they are anymore. And you can get so lost in the sauce of pursuit of external validation. Yeah. And you know, you got, you know, me very much. So it's like mm. transformation has to come from the inside out. It has to. And 
it's kind of what sets our business against the grain. It's a little bit different. It's mindset first. It's getting your yourself to understand that long-term change is going to require some sacrifice. And a lot of that means not being who you are to this point, who you've been to this point, the habits, the thoughts, the belief, the subconscious things that you that you manifest into your life is not going to get you from where you are to the person that you want to be. And so going back to you, uh, Miss Haley, mm-hmm. so going through midsection waking, which we can talk a little bit about if you want to take the rein on that one and why that happens. Um, but overall, like going through that experience and the up and down and the yo-yo, what did it take for you to break that? Man, that time I honestly, I, I hit this point. My hormones went, went to shit. (laughs) Um, they, it physically, I felt what I was doing to myself. So, um, it got to the point where, and at that point I didn't know much about hormones. Um, unfortunately, unfortunately, uh, doing a prep and stuff. I should have, I should have been way more educated than I was, but, um, I got to a point where I I knew some symptoms and I I was experiencing a lot of like high cortisol symptoms. Right. So I literally would go to bed, wake up two hours later and be up for hours, like so fucking tired, but I could not go to sleep. My brain just wouldn't stop. And then like midday crashes, I was so irritable, like worse than I'd ever been. Mood swings were crazy. Um, Brain fog. I couldn't focus. And I was like, man, something's all something's wrong with me. Um, so I got labs done. And, uh, I mean, you'll know when I say this, my cortisol was a 34. My God. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. It was incredibly high. Um, and I took one look at that and I'm like, this is what I did to myself. Like, and I know I had a lot of stressful things like psychologically, physically, everything that led up to that moment. But I think just seeing the data that's kind of what made me be like, okay, I'm going to get back into this and not focus on being restrictive, focus on what do I need to do to, to make this stick that restrict binge isn't working. I can't be restrictive right now. I can't worry about the way that I look. I just can't. My health is suffering. (laughs) That is the hardest fucking thing for most people, especially women who are in that situation. And maybe they didn't go all the way to prep, but They've gone through cycles of gaining weight and losing the weight and gaining the weight and losing weight. And then they can't sustain the weight loss. And what worked last time doesn't work anymore, you know? And it's one of those things where our metabolic reset system that we use for clients like that, like, it's very uncomfortable to tell somebody like, listen, dude, looking at where you are, looking at the response that we're seeing. And obviously this is under the assumption that the client's being hundred percent adherent, Mm -hmm. but if they are not doing what they need to do. It's really hard to go, okay, well, I know this is scary, but we need to bump your food. We need to do less. And what's cool about that is that you can see a lot of improvements physiologically um, in body comp wise, which I think a lot of people don't understand. And, you know, you'll see people all the time, well, how are they eating, eating more and they're losing weight? And we both know that like a lot of that is a side effect of just increasing calories mm-hmm. because what happens when you are starved basically is that you increase that cortisol, you increase that water retention, you are physiologically and psychologically so stressed out that it causes chronic inflammation. Mm-hmm. And so what happens when you bump people's food is that the ankle swelling that you're experiencing, the edema that you're experiencing, maybe swollen face and puppy eyes. I do see that with a lot of people too. Um, That abdominal water retention where you're like, I can't possibly, that can't all be fat, but I'm like soft and squishy. Like all of that actually tends to come down. Mm -hmm. And so when you see things like that and they're like, how do you reverse and lose weight? A lot of it's just fucking systemic inflammation and water retention because you are so overly stressed. And it's scary for people to go, well, I look bad now. I don't want to look worse. And so while you can't promise that outcome for everybody, because again, it's under the assumption that they really do are doing everything you're asking them and being adherent um, and doing it with intention and intensity. But if indeed that they are, and we need to put them through that, you know, we also never push food to where they're just like gaining superfluous amounts of body fat, because in the end, I think people forget, like, it's not conducive to our goal, which is to get you a transformation, like for you to just be putting on body fat. (laughs) 
like, you know, and so it's like doing what is right for the person to take care of their health physically, mentally, and emotionally as long as well as like their internal. Um, But on the other side of that, I don't think any good coach that's paying attention that actually cares about you really, even if they're selfish, like doesn't really want you to be putting on a bunch of body fat. Yeah. Um, So just things to consider for sure. But that is a ridiculously high cortisol level. So how did you kind of get into the mindset of, okay, so I don't love my body composition right now. I've done some really stupid shit to it. Obviously, like these are a lot of red flags. I need to not focus on this. But as women, we fucking focus on this. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Like replace that with being a competitor that wakes up every morning and kind of does the ab check thing, right? It's Mm -hmm. like, oh, I don't have abs and I'm not going to have them for a long time. So how did you work through that? I mean, if I'm being completely honest, it's still a struggle. I would be lying if I said that I've completely worked through it. Um, that was 2020. We're, we're sitting here 2022. And I've just done over the years, a lot of damage to my body. Um, so it's, it's taken a lot, but I just stopped focusing so much on the things I, I can't control. I can't control that. I can't diet right now. I know for my health, I can't. I, I know. So what do I focus on? Well, um, I can train. I can train hard as fuck. I'm allowed to do that now. <laughs> At first I wasn't. I was um, going to say, I still yeah, have no, to be first, very careful with total volume. Yeah. At first I wasn't just because cortisol and I had some estrogen dominance as well. So we, we did back off on that for a while. So now my focus has shifted to that. Then I just really kind of focused on out, outside of fitness. What am I, who am I outside of fitness? Because Haley wasn't anybody outside of fitness. I let that become my identity for mm-hmm. so long because I, uh, I think it started off like I hated myself so much, hated who I was, like just felt, I don't know. I just was in this, this mindset before I started my fitness journey that I'm nobody because I'm overweight. And I, I got over that obviously, but like, then I started to really fall in love with something out, you know, something different, the fitness world, the, that, and then, then I became very obsessive with that. So I went from one extreme to the other and I lost myself in that. I lost it. And I, I be, let that become my identity. <laughs> so I think this is so interesting and I'm, I'm curious because I saw this in myself and I see it in a lot of people. And so I just want to want to challenge a little bit of this um, because I think that you went from someone who identified as a nobody Mm -hmm. to someone who likely pursued fitness and then got external validation for going through that. So then you strongly associated yourself with being a fitness person, right? And so it's never that you knew who you were or your own worth or value outside of anything that you did in association with that, right? And so this is one thing I see a lot with like my high level entrepreneurs is like, they associate who they are with what they do instead of yeah. knowing that like what you do is an element of who you are, but it is not the mask. It is not yeah. all of who you are. It's not all encompassing, right? I'm a fitness enthusiast and obviously a master in this, um, but I'm also an entrepreneur. I'm also a daughter. I'm also someone that loves to fucking dance my fucking ass off. Like, <laughs> you know, I, I cuss and like, I just have fun. And like, I am a Kate, you know, you'll hear yeah. Hunter say this. Cause I've said it before, but like a Kate is a Kate. That's probably <laughs> the best thing that somebody ever said to me. And I didn't get it at first. And I was like, what the fuck do you mean? And they were like, you're genuinely like the most unique human I've ever met. And this person was like a Marine had traveled the world, like been in so many different rooms with some cool people. I'm like, the fuck are you talking about? But <laughs> Like a Haley is a Haley, you know, you yeah. will always be Haley regardless of where you pivot in life or what you do. And unfortunately I see so many people get caught up in such a strong association that who they are is what they do, which is why when you come out of prepping, if you are like a fitness enthusiast and Haley is a bodybuilder, right. And you identify mm-hmm. with that. It's like, okay, I'm, this is my identity, but what happens when I don't look like that? It's not my identity anymore. I'm losing it. So then you have yeah. to try to go back to the one thing that you feel identifies you as a person, but that's not it at all. It's just an extension of who you were. And it was something that you did this one time. Yeah. And so like being able to remove yourself from that and go, okay, well, what does my life look like? <laughs> like, who am I? Yeah. Um, and that's, that's a dark and scary place to be and not know the answer. And then a lot of people, again, will just kind of indulge into something else they can control and distract themselves with. And so I'm curious when you pivoted from that, did you find yourself kind of doing that reaching for something else? Yeah. I mean, I, 
coaching that I just began like, okay, everything in my life, everything like, okay, I'm going to learn this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to, I started taking on too much in that. And because I was like, okay, well, I'm a coach now. I'm, I'm just coach Haley now. Um, I can't worry about what I look like. I can't throw myself into that. <laughs> so I'll just throw myself into this. Um, it's a balance still, man, I'm going to be honest. Um, but yeah, I, I have tended to do that, but I've gotten a lot better at that. We've worked pretty hard on my, um, balance of everything, <laughs> my work-life balance, my, my fitness life balance, everything. Um, but I, I do tend to do that. You do want to, what you do becomes your identity. <laughs> yeah. And it can be really hard. And that's why it's like, when people try to say like, oh, you're this or you're that or you're that. And I'm just like, it's something I do. Yeah. But it doesn't identify me. And it also gives me permission to pivot. I think a lot of people fear going, hey, I actually don't love this anymore. Yeah. But I feel obligated to do it because it's who I am. And I'm like, no, like you might be known for that thing, especially if it's on social media and you're looking at that lens to it, to define who you are, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, people know me as this, so I have to keep doing this thing. I'm like, but that's not really who you are right? Who you are is like, who are you when you're by yourself? And I know so many people that just can't be alone and like sit with themselves, yeah. you know, and it's, it's having the courage to find out and explore that and not, and understand that you're not going to come to it in one sitting. You're not going to oh. come to it in one, <laughs> you know, therapy session or counseling session or coach mentorship thing. It's like, you have to understand that that's a courageous act to sit there and go, I don't know who I am, but I really want to find out because I am lost right now, spinning my wheels, engaging in the self-sabotaging behavior. And like one thing for me, and I had this conversation the other day, it's like, I am always chasing something always. And I had to ask myself why, like, what is it? Because that I would succeed at something. And I will say like division one basketball, like that thing, when I hit that and they announced my name, I fucking cried. I was like, this is my dream come true. But since then, I feel as though I've, I've chased a lot of things. Um, and you get there and it's kind of empty. Like you expect it to be this like monumental thing. And it's like, I finally did it. I'll be happy now. You know, and then I had to realize that like happiness was never going to come to me from the outside. Yeah. Like I really had to figure out who I was and be at peace with my demons and like go through all that shit and really have the confidence in who I am, knowing that who I am today is incredibly different from who I was even at the beginning of this year. I mean, it's just one of those things where you, once you pick up traction, like it's incredible to see how your energy shifts, how your mindset shifts, how the world around you looks different. Like it's just, it's insane. And I, I know that it's certainly not easy, but I'm proud of you for at least going down the journey of self-awareness and going, okay, I feel as though I'm obligated to say yes. Cause I don't want to look inadequate if I say no. And that's why we always check in. Like, how are you doing? Are you overwhelmed? Mm -hmm. Are we good? Are you balancing things? Like, are you finding time for personal life? You know, that's one thing that I really, really think is important because we can work all day long. Sure. But at what point are you burned out? And then you're reacting to clients instead of responding to them appropriately. And you're not really building the connections that we want um, for the long-term success of that person. And so, you know, being able to say, Hey, this is actually what's best for me and that's, what's best for them. And that's how we continue to win, mm -hmm. um, and do all of the right things. Definitely. Um, we, we had that conversation. Like I did hit that little burnout point just in my life, you know, recently with, I mean, I took on so much in such a short period of time. And I, I, I think I do this thing where I'm, I'm like, I can do more. I can do more. I can do more. Right. And I, I test the limits and I test it. And I honestly, what I didn't even realize I was stressed out. It's so funny. We don't realize we're stressed. And Mark, <laughs> I started sub submitting some, some data to him. You know, I do my blood glucose. I do my resting heart rate, um, my digestion log, all these things. And, uh, this period of time, things, they weren't terrible but they started slowly getting worse. Creeping up, yep. And Mark's like, Haley, are you stressed? <laughs> and I said, um, let me get back to you on that kind of thing. I, I paused for a little while and I'm like, no, I'm not stressed, I'm good. And then I'm like, okay, maybe I'm a little overstimulated, you know, and then we kind of went through it and that's when um, I talked to you and, and Katie and then you gave me the big three and all this stuff um, and, all my data has improved. <laughs> yeah. And so it's because 
a lot of us can, especially right now, one of the biggest things that I know to be true, because I fucking just study psychology, philosophy, people, data, all the things. Like, <laughs> um, and one of the biggest things that we're seeing, especially with the the rise of social media, is people's attention. It's it's very quick to change. Yeah. And so a lot of people get very distracted by notifications, by different things. And it's like, oh, I'm sitting here and I don't know what I'm doing. And I'm mindlessly scrolling all of a sudden when I went to pick up my phone to do something productive. Now I'm on Instagram, like, right. you know, going. And of course, then it delays the time where you should be being productive. Instead, you're just sitting there being busy. You're busy, yeah. but not getting anything done. Um, and so understanding productivity hacks, which I have many of, and that's why mm -hmm. I went out. Well, for Hunter, it works to time block, but for Haley, it might be something else. And that's what I was telling Katie. I was like, don't let's, let's dive in a little bit deeper. And then I gave you the principles of big three. And I was like, it seems to be working very, very well for you now. And it's just finding the productivity tip that works the best for the person to manage their time. Mm -hmm. Um, and also get the job done without it being overwhelming. Yeah. And so being able to pinpoint like, that's not really what's going to work for me. Okay, cool. We can pivot here, do this, add this, boom. And it's like just game changed. Yeah. I mean, that that simple thing I added in, the, the, that big three literally changed everything. Because time blocking was too much for me. I do. I do a lot. I can't really block time with both jobs and everything like that, you know? Um, so I'm like, that's stressful to sit down and time block, Like yep. I can't, I can't commit sometimes to that time, but I can commit to a list every day, you know, um, and the whole attention span was so like, I turned off all my notifications. I don't get notifications Same. because I will, I have this like obligation and my embedded in me. If I see somebody message me, I'm like, I have to respond right now. And yep. I don't, I know I don't owe that to anybody, but I have to, like I have it or I will sit there and fester like did yeah. <laughs> and I used to be very much like this when I was earlier in my coaching career, because you just want to please everybody. Yeah. Like, you know what it's like to also be on the other side of it where it's like, I submitted my check and I can't wait to hear back, you know? Yeah. But then I realized, and that's why, again, we do do a value over volume based model because I would rather you be in the right headspace to give that client the appropriate response versus have that like stress response of like, oh, I have a notification I have to answer right now and make sure that they get the answer that they want. And then it's like rushed and it's not clear and it doesn't answer all the questions and it's just, you know, not, not the quality that we want. And so right. one of the best things you can do a is have solid schedules, which we all do, right. Expectations on both sides, boundaries, turning off notifications, and also honoring in that personal time, because what's counterintuitive to a lot of, you know, entrepreneurs or career driven individuals, the ambitious female, it's like, well, I got to get it done. I got to get it done now. Right. I got to do it. Mm -hmm. And I got to do it as fast as possible. And you don't realize that like, if you spread yourself thin and you don't take the time to like really charge that battery, you can get drained very quickly, yeah. especially if you don't have systems in place to mm -hmm. ensure that you're not just making excuses to be busy because it's cool to be busy yes. versus I'm being incredibly productive and also balancing my life and also have energy and clarity and also have confidence in different arenas, right? Outside of what I do at work. Right. And that's, you know, what I do a lot with, with some of the higher level people that we work with, but I do want to pivot this conversation. Okay. <laughs> I want to get to the juicy stuff. All right. <laughs> um, so I know that a lot of people have asked you about your relationship. Oh, yes. <laughs> your previous relationship. And so I do want us to spend a little bit, the last little segment of this podcast, um, discussing your, your relationship history and going through divorce and kind of what that was like for you. Yeah. So I think, okay, I'll start off with, I got into a relationship very young. Um, I was 17. So I didn't know anything else. We were together for a really long time. And I think the biggest question I get, and this is one I got this time, I'm going to lump these two together though. So I got asked, what was the biggest reasons for your divorce? And why was your marriage so short? Um, so for those that don't know, my marriage was about six months. Um, I was with this guy. We have to zoom out though, yep, because we can't focus on the marriage being six months. We were together for seven years. So I think I was young. We got engaged when I was like 22, um, got married when I was like 24. So we had a long engagement and that entire engagement, I won't say the entire, but like that last year and a half, that's when I was really starting to go through my own transformation. And with physical, like with that, a lot of me was changing mentally, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, far more than physically, like what I wanted out of life, what 
the path I was on was just, it was changing. So I was changing. And then I had all these, these doubts and these concerns and everything, but I kept invalidating them. I kept telling myself, oh, you're stressed out. You're planning a wedding. Oh, um, once, once you get married, things are just gonna, they're going to be fine. You know, things are going to settle down. These feelings aren't going to be there. Um, and I kept myself very busy to distract myself. I just planned a wedding and I went in on this wedding. I just planned and planned and planned <laughs> so I could be distracted. So when people are like, why was your marriage so short? It's like, well, I got married and all those feelings came back. And I mean, they, they were drowning me. I was like, I just made the biggest mistake of my life. Um, mm. I was like, everything that I felt was, was valid. I just knew. And it's hard when a relationship isn't what your, your idea of toxic is. Right. So my idea of toxic growing up, my parents got divorced. So when, when I look at a toxic relationship, they fought all the time, all the fucking time, they yelled and screamed at each other. And, um, that was toxic to me. We didn't do that. Um, but I just, we didn't connect. I was going to say, so sometimes when you experience that, you think the idea of something that would be healthy is the polar opposite of the, yeah. the crazy that you experienced. So were you guys, we never did you, but did you struggle with honest and transparent communication yes, and like having sure. hard conversations? Yeah. yeah. I was very, and I, this is something I realized after the divorce, um, when I did a lot of like dip diving into myself, um, I spent a lot of time really trying to figure out why. And um, I took a hard look at that. And I'm like, I avoided any confrontation. I've done that in my whole life because I grew up with that. Um, and I remember when my parents would argue just like how uncomfortable I was. Um, so I never wanted to experience that. And I was afraid then I never saw healthy confrontation. Like, um, so I always assumed it was this bad thing. It was this negative thing. I'm now that I'm older and I've gone through this, like, obviously it's not like, that's actually, you can have healthy co confrontation. Um, but I would avoid it because I'm like, I don't want to fight. I don't want to fight. Um, so we never fought. I mean, I can count on one hand in the, the nine, I mean, the seven years we were together that we, we actually had fight fights. Um, cause I avoided a lot. <laughs> so I, I never view, and I won't say a relationship was toxic. It just wasn't good for me. And I couldn't separate like what my parents looked like and what, what this was. I, I couldn't say that they were both bad. So in my mind, I, it was better than my, what my parents had. Um, You're so like, it well, it's bad. not that crazy. So it has to be good, right? Exactly. Yeah. I'm like, well, we're not fighting and we're not doing this. So, so how can this be a bad thing? Um, and, and just in reality, it just came down to like, we got together at 17 years old. How much do you fucking change from 17 to 24 and from 24 to now I'm 28, but like, we just grew apart. I wasn't in love. I wasn't happy. And I hit this point where I'm like, I'm not going to settle. My parents were together for a long time. They settled. And I, I looked at that and I'm like, I'm not going to be miserable. I'm not going to do that to myself. Um, and that's just why I needed to end. It's just, I, I felt empty. <laughs> I, I felt like my life, you know, they say like, it's worse to be alone. And I was afraid to be alone. I was, I was young and I'd never been alone, but like to be in a relationship where you feel alone mm -hmm. is so much fucking worse. And I, that's what I was living. And I'm like, yeah, I'm afraid to be alone, but it's got to be better than this. So I have a question okay. because I've seen this a lot with people that have gotten divorces. Mm -hmm. I'm curious. Did you know on your wedding day that it wasn't the right thing to do? Um, yeah, I had, I didn't, it wasn't like blaring in my face, but I did have thoughts like, and I'll look back like the, the happy moments on my wedding day had nothing to do with him. I was not emotional at all like he wrote me a letter before and all these things and I I had no response I saw my dad and lost my shit <laughs> just to see my dad's reaction to me and like those moments I was so overjoyed with but the actual marriage like I wasn't excited about I was I I just didn't care I guess 
um, I, I felt empty about that. That's the only way I can explain it. <laughs> yeah. And that's like something super common. Like I hear this all the time. It's like, I knew on my wedding day, that wasn't my person, Yeah, but like I did it anyway, you know? And it's like, I know so many people that commit to something because they feel obligated to be committed yes. to that thing. And maybe it's a friendship or relationship or partnership, whatever it might be. And it's like, you don't have to do that. And it's so interesting to me how we are willing to sacrifice our lives to appease other people. Right. Yes. And, and it's that's like, what I say about that situation. That's exactly what happened. Like I, and I'll say this, not like I went through that and it was such a, a wake up call for me right after I got married. And I'm like, I just did that because I, I was afraid of what people would think of me calling off the engagement. We were engaged for two years and I planned this whole wedding and I was afraid of what people would think. I was afraid of hurting somebody. I was really afraid of hurting him. And I'm like, but look what I, I, I went through with a whole ass marriage to appease everybody else. Like what the fuck? That's what a I mean. But you would marriage. be amazed like how many people commit to doing things they don't want to do for the opinion. I mean, I've lived it. I've done it. I've literally tried to suppress parts of myself, my opinions, my thoughts, like, and truly show up authentically as myself and speak on what I believe and what I feel is important because I didn't want to be judged by other people. I just wanted to be accepted. I just wanted, like, truly, if I reflect on like my childhood shit, it's like, I just wanted somebody to be proud of me. I struggled my whole life with what I would call like my inadequacy syndrome. Like I was just never good enough. I was like, yeah. okay, but not the best, you know? And it was like, I just want someone to think I'm awesome. And it was <laughs> like, dude, the only way for you to be awesome in this world is for you to think you're fucking awesome. Exactly. Because then you'll show up that way and people will resonate and they'll feel that energy and be like, damn, whatever she's on, I want some of that <laughs> shit. Right. But it's not until you are completely fulfilled, like owning your shit and then evolving the way that you want to evolve for you that you just feel so empowered. And it's like, fuck that. Like, I don't, I will never do that again. Like that was some of the deepest points of my life. But something that you said back there was really powerful. And it's actually something my mom said to me when I was in high school. And she's like, Kate, like what you want at 16 is not what you're going to want at 21. And what you want yeah. at 21 is not going to be what you want at 30. And what you want at 30, guess what? It's not going to be what you want when you're fucking 40. And so exactly. like when people say things like, oh, I got to get married by this age and I got to do this and do that. And it's like, you don't have to do anything. No. That's like such an arbitrary deadline for you, especially if you don't know who you are, what you want or what you value. Like, you know, I've done all of this shit. So I'm like, I'm very clear, like who I am and what I want, and where I'm going and like all the things. And it's funny, like now that I've given myself, like really put myself out there in the dating world. It's like, I hear this from men and I'm so grateful they can be honest with me, but they're like, you're actually really intimidating. They're like, yeah. how do you know like this much about, who you are and what you want and your emotional intelligence. And I'm like, because I spent a lot of uncomfortable time figuring this shit out and yeah. I can help you do it you know? like, <laughs> for sure. But I think it's just one of those things where it's like, it gives you that confidence to be bolder oh, and yeah. like arenas that you're not the most confident in. Like for me, it was, I was, I'm very, very, very confident in my ability to coach people, to pivot through business. Obviously like I'm not the most well-versed in like all the business things. Cause I'm so green to it still. But it's like, once you can master yourself, like, and you know, all those things, it doesn't matter what arena somebody throws you into. It's like, I know who I am and I trust myself enough to figure it the fuck out. Yeah. And it's like, when you have that, it's what I like to call like an unshakable mindset. Because when people talk shit about you, if you've accepted your demons and maybe it's true what they say about you, it's like, okay. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what else? You know? Yeah. And uh, I thought that was cool. I thought that was a really awesome kind of pivoting point. So after that, you went through the divorce, which I'm sure was incredibly difficult. You know, I, I the way I explain this is like, again, long term, I had these feelings. I had come to terms with that before we split up. I had kind of made peace with the end of the relationship um, so I wasn't really devastated by the end of the relationship as much as I didn't know what the fuck was about to happen in my life. I had had this whole vision and this whole, like, in three years, I'm going to do this. And it, and it all revolved around being married to this man. Right. Um, so I was more fearful of being alone and, and 
I was, but I was excited. It, it, it was like really conflicting um, because for a while I'd had those feelings. I was in this big transitional period in my life of me. Like I, and I, I went through a lot during that time as far as like trying to navigate the people in my life. Um, he wasn't the only one that is no longer in my life. I lost some friendships and stuff. Like I had a really, really good friend for, for a long time um, from high school, beginning of high school and um, maid of honor in my wedding and everything. And uh, we, we just drifted again, we grew apart. And um, I, I was starting to make peace with all of that because I was becoming somebody different. Um, and by the time we had like, called it quits I was fearful of the unknown afraid to be alone but so fucking excited to step into to to Haley because I'd never been just Haley I've -hmm. never been Haley up until this point I was always Haley with this person or Haley with this person and I was a very impressionable teenager and, and young adult um where my thoughts and my opinions and my beliefs and and likes and dislikes were not mine (laughs) They were what other people around me. You're going to make um, me spiral right now. <laughs> but it, And I know I've had so many conversations with people about that. And it, it happens to so many people. And I thought I was like the only one. But I when I when that ended and I was able to step into this the, this this Haley, I I was starting from the ground up. I had no clue what I liked. <laughs> It was even like my TV shows, like everything was so different. So it was exciting and scary all at the same time. But um, I was, it was hard. It was, it was hard being alone and trying to find like, being able to sit with being alone. uh, That was really hard. Um, Like you said earlier, people don't like to be alone or or, or don't don't feel comfortable doing that. and I would try to fill that time for, for the beginning. I was in prep. So I started prep in January and we split up end of February, maybe. So right after. So I just threw my fucking self in prep <laughs> and just engulfed really? myself in that. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but it was more of an exciting time than a, a devastating time for me, I feel like. And then if we really get into it, like, I was asked how, like, how I healed from that. And again, it was a lot of like me diving into to myself and this excitement of figuring out who I was. But then my dad died very shortly after that. Um, so my, my priorities shifted <laughs> um, for the time being. So that divorce felt so, so small, mm-hmm. so small. I mean, it was nothing I, at that point. Um, so I think I, I was just devastated by something harder. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I find a lot that like, sometimes you truly have to go through something that's actually the gravity of that is, is true to be something that is genuinely going to rock your world. Yeah. You know, like I, people ask me all the time, like, what are you afraid of? And it's definitely losing one of my parents. Like I cannot imagine like, everything else must feel so small in in regard to it because it's like, again, we take all these people for granted as if they're never not going to be here until they're not. And then it's like, you don't know how to cope with it because you know what I mean? It's like, Oh, I thought mom was always going to be there for me to call. Right. And my dad was young. I was 25 when I lost my dad. My Mm -hmm. little sister was 11. Like we shouldn't have lost our dad. Like, and he was 52. Like you, it just, he wasn't sick. It was a very um, unexpected thing. Um, and he was my best friend, man. So yeah, it, it rocked my world and everything else seemed so small and so unimportant. Um, so any bad things that I've gone through or any of like, and on the other end, that was bad because like then I'd lost everything at that point. Like it's, I talk about it as like, I was on this high right before that I I just finished my first competition season and I love bodybuilding I did I I was so proud of myself because it's the hardest mental thing I ever had to fucking take on I'm like mm. fuck I did that execute my yeah, reverse see, perfectly it wasn't for me it was yeah because like, I lived my whole life like prepping yeah. to play divisional basketball and then it's like literally all of that but like 
times a thousand because you're doing school and being an elite athlete and like every minute of your day is managed by all of that shit. Yeah. And so I had it, but for me, it was just coping. So it's interesting um, to hear that because I did it for mostly the wrong reasons. Yeah. I, you know, I will say when I initially got into bodybuilding, it was for the wrong reasons. It was more for validation, if I'm being honest. Um, but I think once I got into it, it's, it was the hardest, like, again, for me, I'd never had any prior experience to anything athletic or anything hard. Honestly, I avoided hard shit. So I threw myself into this and I mean, I did, I was proud of like, just how mentally strong I was. Um, so I was riding this high. I'm, I just got out of that marriage and I was like, finally adjusting to this alone time and figuring out who I was. And, um, I just really enjoyed being alone and was really proud of myself. So I rid this hot rode this high all the way up until my dad died. And then, which I only had this really short period of time of like this high um, because he died very shortly after all of that for, I, I competed in June. He died in July, end of July. So I wrote, you know, a few months of like getting to that point. And then like when he died, it made the divorce thing and the being alone thing seem so small, but also it made everything else that I was, was good in my life, not matter either. <laughs> so it just put me in this pit of, um, nothing fucking matters and mm. I'm not going to care about anything. So it on both ends was, was tough. Like, I mean, it was a good thing and a bad thing, like for some things that made it me easier to get over other things. And then for, um, the other, it made me not care about things that were actually good for me. Um, like my health, like I really was executing my reverse perfectly. And I really thought that this was going to be a good thing. I was going to, you know, put on some weight and be healthy. Like I wanted to come out of that, you know, reverse properly and actually have a long period of time in a good health phase and all this stuff. And, uh, when he died, I just said, fuck it. <laughs> then went down this spiral for a really long time. And how long ago is that exactly? So we're about, we just hit, so he died in July with three years. It was 19, 2019. So I'm a lot of growth since then. A uh, lot of growth since then. I've done some therapy. Um, I really, I will be honest. So like the past year is where I've been able to really come to terms with everything. I think I put my grieving on hold for a while. Um, I'm someone that, People wouldn't know it now because <laughs> um, I'm pretty emotional now. I'm pretty expressive of my emotions now. Um, I have become comfortable being vulnerable. Um, mm. But before, <laughs> you couldn't. Nobody could get me to be vulnerable. No, not even the people closest to me. I was very unexpressive of my emotions. And I got that from my dad. <laughs> he was the same way. We were the one and the same. And um, when he died, it's just I... I went into survival mode. Yeah. Um, I had to plan a funeral. I had to, there was some family shit going on that I, I was the middle woman of a lot of things. Um, so I didn't feel like I could grieve. I didn't have time. I didn't have time to grieve. That's what I told myself. Yeah. <laughs> um, so once all that passed, I was just in this stage where I'm like, I, I, I don't need to, I don't, I don't need to grieve yet. Um, I don't want to. I, I wanted to be numb. So I just threw myself in everything that I could distracted myself. So the first like year after he died, year and a half, I really didn't cope or do anything <laughs> um, productive. <laughs> you know, we're going to have to do a part two, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> Cause yeah. we're going to need this pivot phase, but I will say this, you know, it's incredible uh, to me how unaddressed trauma can manifest itself. Oh, yeah. Now I hate to use the catchphrase trauma because you can, everybody has trauma. So I don't mm -hmm. believe, I don't believe in labels. I mean, you know that about me, like I just, but I do know that most people have something that causes them to continue to manifest a subconscious reality uh, for themselves based on internal emotional turmoil uh, that they have yet to address. And I can say that's very true for me in different arenas of my life that I really had to have a breakthrough um, last year towards the end of, well, now 
was it two years ago? I don't know. Um, I really had some unresolved shit from a very abusive relationship that I like didn't want to talk about, didn't want to own and didn't want to address. And I carried a lot of guilt and shame around that. And it's like, until you can really just like fucking hit that trigger point and fucking, you know, massage it out for real, which might take a couple sessions, Oh yeah. you know, <laughs> it's like, but getting through that and just like forgiving yourself for me was a huge thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just like not letting a period of your life ever define you. Um, and I was, I was, I was in this and I hate this because it bothers me to think I hate when people are a victim. I hate a victim. It's my <laughs> um, biggest pet peeve ever. Yeah, you know me. I was being like, a victim yeah. uh, that year made me a victim. And I hit, I hit a point um, where I'm just like, dude, quit being a fucking victim of your own story. You either can grow from this or, or you can be stuck in this pity party that I was throwing myself that made me miserable. Being the victim made me miserable. There is a lesson in everything that I've gone through, everything. I just have to find it. How can I grow from this? Even the shittiest times in my life, even the hardest things, my dad dying was literally the worst, but I can find something. I can find something in a way to grow from this. Um, I don't know what it just one day I just fed up with my, my shit. <laughs> I was just fed up. And uh yeah. I did, I did therapy and um I I made myself open up more to the people in my life um about it and had to address some guilt that I had. Um not with our relationship, just with with how I handled things. I was, I was not happy with myself, not proud of myself, but, and I held that and I held it against myself for a long time. So yeah, coming to terms with that and being able to like forgive myself. Mm -hmm. And I've literally, it's been within the last year and that's kind of what got me to where I'm at. (laughs) And then it's like a catalyst for a fucking chemical reaction, baby. It's like, it's amazing. It really is amazing. And so one thing I want to say and like give you kudos for is the biggest piece of all of that is it takes courage. It takes so much courage to step into arena, to humble yourself, to remove the ego, to go like my dad was the, my, he's my stepdad, but I call him my dad. He's Mm -hmm. like the biggest piece of my own growth, like since that time in my life. And he told me from the moment that I made it home safely, he was like, we've already forgiven you. Like you have to forgive yourself. But I couldn't for such a long time. Like it was the hardest thing for me to do. I'm like, no, I owe everybody everything. I have to fix this. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you keep telling yourself you just are unworthy and like all these fucking little stories and you can write the craziest shit in your head. And you don't even know that you have these thoughts that manifest themselves in real times to how you act and the energy that you give off and the way that you carry yourself. And it's like, dude, no, like I had to get slapped in the face and was like, no bitch, like wake the fuck up remember who the fuck you are. Like you are better than this, but you're never going to get out of here if you don't climb out yourself because no one's coming to save you. Exactly. And that's, that's the point I had to hit. I'm like, you can throw your life away because of the shit that happened. She happens to everybody. Yep. You're not special. People, people go through shit every day and they pull themselves out or they don't, but I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be the person that does it. I'm not throwing my life away because of a couple things that happened to me. I'm just going to learn from it. I'm going to grow from it and I'm going to be better because of it. And yes, it's still going to fucking hurt. Like I lost my dad. Of course that's going to hurt, but it's not who I am. I'm not the girl who has a dead dad. You know what I mean? And that I let that become part of me. Yes. God, this is so good. This is so good because it's one of those things where it's like, don't label yourself by shit that you've been through. Yes, You are a human being that had an incredibly dark experience in your life guess what most people have yeah and that's the thing and I thought I was special I did in that moment I'm like man this is the worst I'm going through some something people can't imagine what the fuck people lose their parents all the time Haley yeah and like for me I think it was hard because I was like I never ever want to wear and again I'm super Mm anti-label like I just don't ever want to be that girl that was like oh she's just another one of those girls that's that was abused like I don't I don't like to label or like do that. I'm like a part of me is, and one of my, you know, principles of my life is extreme ownership. Like I let that happen to me. I accepted that treatment and I did not have the courage, nor did I have the self-respect to walk away. And I was raised better than that. 
And so a part of me was like, you have to own your part in that story too. And once I did, and then I forgave myself because I also will acknowledge, and I'm sure that this will help you if you, you know, or anybody that might be carrying some guilt around a choice that they've made is you have to remember that you don't know what you know today. And if you did know what you knew today, you probably would have made a different choice. Exactly. And so it's like, you have to meet yourself where you were at that time and understand you were likely doing what you thought was what was best at that time with the information and the knowledge and the awareness that you had, yes. because most people have no idea what's on the other, on the other side of taking a risk, which is why transformation is so scary because you yeah. have to stop being in the environment that is comfortable and known and step into the unknown. And that's one of the scariest things for most people is they don't know what's on the other side of what they're about to do. But it's also the most exciting thing, the most rewarding, like all the scariest things I've ever done have led me to the life that I have now. And I'm much happier than I was before all those things that I thought I needed, the things that I were, was afraid to leave, the things I was afraid to step away from. Um, they truly held me back. And I didn't know what I know until now. <laughs> and That's I was, right. I did carry a lot of guilt for those decisions that I made. Um, but I, I have with therapy been able to, um, to let go of those things, thankfully, but got it. You got to take that step. That first step into the unknown can give you the life that you never imagined. <laughs> and with that, I am going to end it because I have a meeting, but we will finish part two because this yeah. pivotal point of the conversation is where it's going to get really fucking fun. So yeah. Until next guy, next time, guys, thank you for so much for showing up. Haley's information will be in the show notes. And if you are interested in working with us, submitting an application and breaking through on your own with our support, then please fill that out. And I look forward to talking to you soon. Thank you, Haley. Yeah, thank you.